0: It is the Chicago Verse Podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists in industry and creatives and culture leaders, hosted by Haima Black. Welcome to Chicago. Dynasty Podcasts, live from the new Dynasty Podcast studio here in Pilsen. Studio that is now available for rent. You can come and record your podcast here. But tonight I'm recording my podcast here, Dynasty Podcast, And I'm here with old friends from the Oh My's. We have Maceo Hames and Nick Hennessy. How are we doing tonight? How are you guys doing? Doing great.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome, man. Um, God, I was trying to think. It's been just years yeah, since we had we you guys just, on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, I wanna say it was probably at least more than four years ago. It was I think at uh It was Austin. at a studio. Oh
2: wasn't it, it, was was in it in La- the studio or was it in
0: Lacuna? Austin. Oh no, it was not Lacuna. Wow. Oh, my well, God. Yeah. Well,
1: since both of us, you cool. yeah, did an interview together in Austin during South by. Oh, during South by. Yeah. Five years Whoa. ago. And then the other one was probably seven years ago or something. It was when Chicago style came out, I think.
0: Yeah. yeah. God. Yeah. I mean, so it's been a long time. Yeah. yeah. And it's crazy. It's like I've done, I'm not exaggerating with this number, somewhere in the neighborhood of 900 of these. So it's like I, <laughs> I, I do know who's been on the podcast, but every once in a while I have to be like, when were they on the podcast? And I got to Google my own memories to be like, mm-hmm. oh, shit. that's right. It was there. Yeah, Lacuna Loft, we were based out of Lacuna for a second. But man, regardless of when we chatted last, I'm glad to have you guys back because, man, it is a busy time for the Oh My, lots going on. How are yeah. you guys feeling?
2: Great, great. I'm um, excited that the project's out, excited to be trying to like, live with it live and learn how to play it on stage with the band. And, yeah.
0: Yeah. And the new project, it's called Tomorrow. It was just released in uh, early in uh, September, I believe, right? Yeah. How has the year been treating you? Before we talk about the the project itself, because there's there's a, a tremendous story. It sounds like around the record, but just in general, how is the year treating the Omis in 2018?
2: Great. Uh, you know, having the project out now is like, it's been good to to really figure out now how to be public again and play music for people. Because while working on the project, we didn't play shows. Yeah. So it's been great to like step out and see it. You know, people still rock with us.
0: When you haven't been, you know, active for a certain amount of time and then you get back on stage, is it kind of like when you are going skiing or ice skating for the first time in like six years? And you're like, I know I know how to do this, Mm -hmm. but do I know how to do this?
2: Yeah. And just a lot of like, you know, you remember different reasons of why you do enjoy, you know, performing or, you know, playing the music for other people. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, the record is called Tomorrow, and it just came out in September. This is a record that, just from everything I was reading, everything I was hearing, it sounds like there's a tremendous story around this. Um, how does it feel to have it out, to just have this finally in the world now that it actually exists and people can hear it?
1: feels pretty great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: it was, it was amazing to get it finished.
1: Yeah. And uh, that, that happened earlier in 2018. So that was a, a first step, and then just to actually have it out in the world and have everybody hear it. Um, well, everybody who's heard it so far.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it, it seems like, and, and tell me if it feels like this in the camp, it feels like the response has been really, really strong and really, really yeah. positive. Does it feel that way?
2: Yeah. It yeah. Yeah, couldn't ask for it to come out in any, other, any better way.
0: A big part of that is, of course, the music is brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's a really gorgeous record. It's a really soulful record. And I almost feel like soulful is a lazy descriptor to use with a band that gets tossed around a lot. But, but it is a very harmonious record. And the music is great. And that's always a big part of it. But we all know that music being good is not enough to move a record mm-hmm. and to get it in front of people. What do you attribute that to, the fact that so many people have found this record, have found the Omais right now?
2: I think the biggest difference is really... Um a we've never really put together a, a full project where when it was done, we thought of a plan of how to put it out, um, and and had like a team with us um, yeah to help figure that out because prior be like okay the project's done tight well let's get some artwork together and put it on SoundCloud you throw know? it on Bandcamp yeah, and we're done yeah, call exactly. it a day Instantly. you know and, and then yeah. and so. With, you know, how long and how much time we put into the project, uh, we had to stop ourselves and be like, okay, well, we put this much work into it, so, you know, let's try and make sure as many people here as possible.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. And you've been working with, correct me if I'm wrong, the Hate team, right? Yeah. Hate yeah. brand who, yes. um, you know, it's the team that works with Chance the Rapper. I mean, they do a lot around the city. It's not just the Chance the Rapper team, because I, I don't want to discount the work that Hate is doing. What would people know Hate hate brands work from
2: tons of different people um because i feel like they're they're
0: they're so behind the scenes like people in chicago know who they are but they're not putting their name front and center they put the artist name front and center
2: yeah knox fortune uh tokyo nico washington
0: claro Claro. and i mean they're all quality artists yeah they're all artists that are like really bringing something unique to the table yeah and so to be in that company i would imagine that's got to be very exciting did you approach them did they approach you how did that connection happen
2: Initially, so, like, one of our first m- managers uh, for a long time was Pat. Um, Pat Corcoran. Pat, Pat Corcoran. Pat the manager. Yes. Pat yes. yeah. <laughs> the manager. Yes. Mm-hmm. And title. so it was actually right before he then started working for Chance. Um, back oh, wow. Before 10 Day happened. So, And so we had already, you know, we've been friends and buddies and worked together. And we finally were, like, uh, we're ready to put together a project. And... We all know and love each other, but we need like guidance and like you know how to put it out in the world and and make it happen and,
0: and it thing. felt like this was the album where you're like okay guys like we're we're really ready to like step up yeah. our game and bring you know really do this right yeah exactly
2: um you know where it wasn't just i think prior Nick and I just um figuring out our music and and what it sounded like, i guess less intentionally um because we were also roommates, so it was like wake up whatever sounds cool um and then you know living in that sort of you know early 20s world and then getting older and being like you know uh what do we want it to sound like because it lives in the world and not just in you know and you're our, different
0: people yeah and it it's from what i was reading because there was a great tribune uh feature by greg Cott, which by the way yeah. that's that's big time mm-hmm. we talk about the fact and we're gonna we're gonna talk about Hell the contents yeah. of that and the roommate thing but like Talk about the fact that you got a feature from Greg Cott. Does that feel like oh, man. Yeah. When when he called for the interview, I was like,
2: holy shit, I know this voice. This yeah, is so sound weird. opinions, man.
0: <laughs> and it's like I, I feel like if, yeah, you yeah. grew up with it, yeah. You grew up with it a hundred percent. That's what I was gonna say. Like now, and this is great, but now there are so many music critic voices. Anybody can start mm. a blog, anybody can do that. But if you're a certain age in the city, you remember like there were two voices. There was Cott and d Yeah. And if Pearl Jam or somebody played the Aragon, you'd read the next morning, you'd read the Cott review and the Dero review, and you're like, well, that's that. Like, I've read everything there is to read about that show. So it's like, someone like Greg Cott, like, that's a big deal. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I love his, like, uh, I'll Take You There, the book about Mavis Staples. And his Wilco Staples book. And, yeah. yeah I, mean, I haven't read that one, but, but his writing is amazing. Yeah. That was one of my favorite books on on music so far that i've read
0: and i just you know i saw the photo of it being an actual like print (laughs) spread i just was like wow look at you guys on the front page of a tribute section that's that's big time i didn't know for a day or two i didn't realize that there was even another
1: photo on the other side i'd read the article already online right but it said continue and i was like eh i've read this article already and i forgot to flip it over and i was like oh it's like two page two full page
0: I mean, is that still cool? Like, Because, again, I think we're all accustomed to everything being online, but is it cool when you see your stuff in print? And oh, yeah. Publication, oh, right. like the yeah, and it yeah.
2: rarely happens, you know? Yeah. Similarly to, like, like, you know, we just got the vinyls in, and, like, I've never actually held my music except for, like, a CD that we burned.
0: Right. You know, yeah. like, so. I mean, these yeah. these old-school, real-world tactile components, I almost feel like they mean more now because they're so limited. Yeah. Yeah,
2: And the things you can build memories with. thats like a you know, huge difference.
0: It's the kind of thing you can show your mom, show your grandma, and be like, look, you can read this in the preview. Oh, tribune. Yeah. oh right. yeah, my mom busted out a, a gang of copies at Sunday dinner. so <laughs> That's amazing, yeah. yeah. So um, we were going to talk about the fact that you guys were roommates for quite a long time and then stopped being roommates. How did that, um, I guess, impact the dynamic of the record? Because we all know creative partnerships are hard. They take different turns. People become different people or mm-hmm. people change or uh, dynamics change. And it doesn't mean that anybody hates each other unless it's mm-hmm. like Fleetwood Mac, but mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I guess how did that play into the story of this record? The fact that you guys were maturing, you'd been in the project for a number of years and then you stopped being roommates. I
2: think um, actually it's, it's, it's really connected to kind of what I was talking about earlier in that, you know, when it was just us living together and just like waking up and deciding to just, what does it sound like? What do we feel like doing? You know, we didn't really have to be very intentional about it because it was every day.
0: Sure. You you're, um, you're going to see each other every right. day, so like you
2: don't have to really track it. Right. Whereas, you know, not living together, we had to make time and that actually ended up being a really really at least I think a really helpful way for us to approach making music again together. Yeah. Um just because it it allowed us to also come into the room um knowing that you know we were working on music and not Whatever else is happening in flux around us.
0: Sure, you're not taking a break like order pizza, right? Games, whatever, because you're already at home.
1: Yeah, I think also at at some point it maybe at first it contributed to uh, confusing our process. Oh yeah, because Mm. that is a big other part of like the story of of this project was that we just went about it completely backwards. Yeah, that's that's what I read. Yeah. So so I think that that definitely. Contributed to why that happened too Mm -hmm. was that figuring out how to work in in like with intention as far as like the scheduling because that led us to like scheduling studio time before there like we'd actually just spent time working on the songs in the way that we had before and now we've figured out now the process Mm -hmm. of not living together and doing the correct in the OMI's. order yeah, The correct yeah. order that
0: works for us, that's always worked for us, but
1: with, well, in separate living situations. It sounded like sure. you guys
0: kind of reverse engineered how you were recording too. Like it yeah. sounds like you took a different approach and it didn't exactly land where you wanted it to at first. Yeah,
2: The biggest sort of, I wouldn't say it was a mistake because I learned a shit ton. <laughs> well, sure. <so laughs> like, like it's, you know, if you
0: learn, it's not really a mistake yeah. if no one gets hurt. You just sort of like, okay, well, we're, we're getting yeah, there. Exactly. And so I
2: think the biggest, the biggest thing that sort of Took this, made this process super long and convoluted. Was that you know instead of sitting down and writing the songs immediately, we like decided to build a bunch of sounds and then figure out how they become songs. And some people work very like very well in that context. Sure. We figured out that wasn't our process. Yeah. Uh, and so then we had to then get back to basics and be like, okay, well, just us sitting with the instruments. What does it sound like? And we'll go from there.
0: Was it frustrating to kind of have to restart from scratch or maybe not fully from scratch, but kind of go back to earlier in the process? Or was it exciting? Or It
2: was exciting because it felt like it was making sense again. It was yeah. a lot less yeah. frustrating
0: yeah. than oh, good. the moments <laughs> right before that. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Well, that's good. So, um, I I read the other obstacle that you guys faced in this process is you lost your voice, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. The like sort of beginning of the process, uh,
0: which it, tremendously enormous obstacle for a vocalist. Yeah, yeah. No, and it was
2: it was you know we just didn't um we had a bunch of shows in two days, and I just you know didn't take care of my voice. I didn't hydrate. I didn't you know whatever do the necessary things you got to do, but. That just set a different, you know, tone because a learning how to get back in the process of recording, but then also it being a brand new process that we were trying out, then coupled with learning how to use my voice again. Um and, and getting to, you know, know that part of me again.
0: I mean how scary was that? Did you know your voice was gonna come back? Were there times where you're like, Is no. this it?
2: N- yeah, no, I mean it was gone for a number of months and so that's terrifying. Uh, yeah, at least for at least for a month to a month and a half, I was like, "Oh shit, uh, yeah. I just don't have any 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 voice coming out." And then uh, slowly things started like I could do a little
0: bit at a time. And then then you know even then I didn't want to push it. So so what are you doing now to make sure that you're like let's never have that? Happen yeah, again, exactly. You know, <laughs> like you leave the car and you're stranded in the middle of nowhere with a flat, and you're like. We're going to make sure we have two spare tires in the trunk anytime we go anywhere else.
2: Uh, Just a lot of preparation, hydrating, making sure that that I do some warm up. And then also that like after the show, when it's, you know, hanging out with everybody that I'm not, you know, because it's usually like in a venue or a loud bar, Mm -hmm. like just yelling and talking really loud. It's got to like
0: take its toll. Yeah. So you just
2: have to be the quiet guy at the party. <laughs> right. Or try to be.
0: You, you got to bring some flashcards with you. It's yeah, just like, it's like, how was the show? That's what good. it was like, like for know? a couple yeah, weeks, I mean, though. I yeah, mean, I
1: couldn't like, We were still living together at yeah. that time, and it was definitely there was at least a week because you went yeah. to the doctor. they like, and they told you basically, if you have a chance, this is what you have to stop do. stop talking. Wow, <laughs> don't talk. And so I was do m- all these things. I was mute for like a minute. What <laughs> did, well, did
0: that turn into? Like a any sort of like learning experience aside from, like, the vocal component where you're just like, wow, you really think more when you're not talking all the time, you're listening.
2: Oh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was pretty intense. And I learned, you know, whatever, like everything you learn a lot, Um, a lot of listening, and then also what you take for granted in terms of how much much communication you have, and then also, you know, when it takes the time it takes to write a note down, then you're really, really... Pretty choosy with your words and how much you use. Yeah, you kind of get know? real Twitter with it. Like, yeah. how, how few <laughs> words can I use to say this? 150 Exactly.
0: Right. Um, something else that recently happened in the last few weeks is you guys played the Park West. That was the yeah. hometown show. Uh, how was that? I got an invite. I wanted to make it out, but I wasn't able to.
2: It was amazing. Um, we had never played that room before. It's a like um, gorgeous, yeah, incredible, beautiful. very plush room. Yeah, um, and we had not really played any of or most of the music with the band very much. And so working through it live, it was just a lot of fun figuring out the arrangements and then performing it. Uh, So,
0: Um, Now on the record, you guys have, and I don't know if I've said, I know I said this before the mics were on, but I don't remember if I said this since the mics were on. It's a gorgeous, lush, soulful record. And what's interesting about it is that it sounds very harmonious. It sounds very effortless. And I mean effortless as a compliment, not like, it doesn't sound like anyone did any work on this. (laughs) But when you hear the story of you guys, like all the frustration that went into this, it's amazing because on the record, it sounds very kind of like just, you know, you don't hear frustration. You hear like, oh, this works. It sounds like harmony.
2: Dope. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Not a question, but I just had to bring that up. But but the record, um, there are a number of great uh, collaborations on this. You've got Nico Segal and Peter mm-hmm. Cottontail as collaborators. Uh, what was it like working with them? Uh, great. And and Nate Fox. And, and Nate Fox, and, yeah.
2: And um, it was great. Nico and Nate Fox really helped us when we were in the middle of the complete confusion. Sure. Um, and starting to just peel, peel things back and uh, get some sort of clarity. Um, and then uh, aside from then also producing special and... Nico laying a lot of horns on things. Which, um,
0: I mean, Nico, I mean, yeah. his horns. And anyone in Chicago knows this, but it's, yeah. it still never oh, yeah. fails. You hear them and you're like, I know who's on this record. Oh, yeah.
2: And then Peter was, Peter was really, really helpful in, A, producing Puddles, but then also uh, helping and arranging lots of different um, iterations of songs in the project. And yeah, I mean, all three of them are super, super amazingly talented musicians and writers and producers so yeah it, it really just a helped yeah and then carter lang mm-hmm. was who used to be in the band and is an amazing producer really put in a lot of work and and um yeah it was all hands on deck it sounds yeah, like a
0: family affair yeah. yeah yeah also vocals of course from saba and chance which you know yeah i think people always see that and, and i even saw a couple articles where it's like chance the rapper co-signs this and i'm always like <laughs> but it's also yeah. like a real band on their own. Yeah. Um, but talk about working with Chance and Saba. Tremendous um, talents.
2: For the idea song um, with Chance, we had pretty much known it started off as like a very, very different sounding sort of beat and not sort of like the super broken down piano build. Mm-hmm. Um, but even from then, we just knew like, well, if it's not going to be my vocals for the whole song, it's pretty much a Chance feature or, you know, that's it. Right. Um, it's one or the other. Yeah, you know, it doesn't really need any anything else. And so when we finally got the end of the process working through a bunch of different versions, got it ready for him. Lots of times when you get a feature from somebody, it's like getting them to connect and understand what the song is about. Making sure that, you know, like that the space that you left for them to, you know, add a voice um, mm-hmm. that, you know, they don't just do whatever they do.
0: And it's not uh, just phoned in. Right. Like, exactly. for every Nicki Minaj monster verse, there's a lot that are not Exactly. That. And yeah. so,
2: yeah, he, like, immediately sort of got got what the song was and, and did exactly what it needed to, and, you know, which is every single time we've worked with him.
0: Yeah. And then Saba. And then Saba, year. just what the fuck. Uh, yeah, what? That's yeah. a good Yeah, Saba, what the fuck, man? He's just so good. Yeah. He's so
2: good. Yeah. Yeah and yeah, the same. And he killed that verse. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's
0: like Real what is there even him. left to yeah. say other than like yeah. Sabo was on it? Exactly. Also
1: definitely all of the instrumentalists that were on the project mm-hmm. yes. too, just as far as another note. I mean, within the Omai's collective and just so many other different people, Boyang yeah. Matsapola, both on bass and just being there. Our band being there through the whole thing yeah, as far Eric as Mateo. Eric Mateo, Boyang Matsapola, mm-hmm. Eddie Burns being there for sure. most of the project. And then Kaina. Kenny Keys plays on uh, Nina Fresa. Yeah. What else? Uh, yeah. Uh, Melanie Fay. Yeah. Uh, she's she's very raw. But yeah. Yeah. So many amazing
2: Kaina. People. no Kaina, yeah
1: with uh, production and tons of instrument instrumentation on uh, baskets, yeah.
0: Well, and it's like, it's interesting. So I think people think of the Omais as the two of you, but it's, every time you read anything about you, you see you guys live, like, you listen to the record. It's a collaborative experience. Yeah. It seems like the OMIs is kind of, it's almost like, sort of like the Nine Inch Nails thing. Like, Nine Inch Nails is Trent Reznor, but it's a shit ton of people, mm-hmm. you know? It's not just, if it was just Trent Reznor, you'd go and be like, on tour, and they'd be like, huh, oh, it's kind of boring, just one guy <laughs> up there with the synthesizer." But it's like, this is a project that has a lot, you know, I love Trent Reznor. But it's like, it, this is a project with a lot of people in the mix, even if the promo photos are you guys front mm-hmm. and center. Yeah, yeah. Now the track with Chance, you did a video for. It's called Idea, and it was directed by uh, Jason Peterson from Havas. How did you guys get connected with him? Because he's another very high-profile yeah. creative in Chicago.
2: So. Annex was helping us um, with the rollout of the project, really just like getting us used to, you know, actively thinking about how do we want to put ourselves out in the world, sure, um, and how we want to put the project out, and so that was really great, and they were super helpful, and we were trying to figure out the music video, and just in conversation, Jason was like, "Oh, well, I'm down to shoot
0: it." And we're like, oh, word. and it looks like a Jason Peterson work if you're familiar with yeah. his Instagram because yeah. it's got this yeah. very chromatic, black and white, stark, minimalist look to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he'd already done two of the three singles. Yeah. The artwork
1: for Starship and Puddles were both photos by him, so it was starting to become a theme yeah. with the visuals for the project. So it just worked perfect.
0: So now that you guys have you've kind of recalibrated, you have come back stronger, you have the support of, you know, uh, resources like Hate, resources like the Annex at Havas, and and just so many great individuals, not to speak anything of, of the individual people behind you. As you're moving forward, and I'm not even gearing this to, like, what's the next record, but, like, mm-hmm. as you're gearing forward, how does this change how you think about your next steps now that you have this kind of whole team behind you? It doesn't have to be just you two doing all the heavy mm-hmm. lifting. I mean,
2: really, what it's really allowed for is a with all the different you know hands on deck really helpful in terms of like starting to think about how we you know how we want our music to not only sound but live and then also it's made a lot of space for us to you know spend time working just directly on the music yeah um which is you know
0: wasn't always the case <laughs> you but that's, know, that's the goal everything is to at get the one to, time yeah so, to get to the point where it's like you don't have to worry about all the other shit you can just like work on the actual yeah. craft itself yeah
2: and also then you know also having people to like you know bounce ideas off of um, that aren't just Nick and I um, and yeah. to be able to have conversations conversations about uh, anything and everything both you know from photos to video to you know did you read that ad or you know just a yeah. uh, anything uh that's just been really great so
0: i think having uh, people to just even bounce ideas off everything at makes a world of difference i think i've always subscribed to the idea of like i am not i don't want to be the smartest person in my project i want to have tremendously Mm -hmm. smart creative innovative people who have totally different ideas than mine Mm -hmm. around me at all times because i want to be like hey does this work and if someone says no it totally doesn't i'm like i'm not like fuck you i'm not (laughs) i'm like oh okay great (laughs) how could we reconsider this or what are you thinking, you know? I think that's the exciting part of collaborating. Yeah. So as the year is winding down, the record is out now, it's called tomorrow, you know, what is on deck as you guys are starting to look forward? Because I know you were mentioning that there is some new music in the works, but what's on the horizon for the LMI's now that the album's out? Um,
2: Playing, playing shows, taking the record to the stage. That's that, and then sort of <laughs> getting, getting, gathering all of our demos that we've been working on for the past couple months and Trying to see what those all look like,
0: what's the best takeaway you have now that you've learned so much about this process where you're like, "Okay, we don't have to waste time doing this. We mm-hmm. know this already. like how can you best hit the ground running for the next steps?
2: I think it's been Nick and I knowing what our strengths are in terms of writing, which is starting with the songs and our instruments, guitar and keys and and vocals, and like just getting the chords and the melodies down and the words, and then once that's together. Then we can worry about what it sounds like on a record. Sure. Or, you know, what other than, you know, the the sort of studio fun time um, where that doesn't stand in the way of the song, but holds it up. At least yeah. you know our process.
0: Absolutely. The record is called Tomorrow. It is a gorgeous record. I think it's a perfect record for these kind of like rainy October days you've mm. been having. Like you start <laughs> driving just anywhere and put that on and you really are kind of like take I mean it sounds corny to be like you're kinda of taken somewhere else, but you are. It's it's a really I think, just very harmonious. That's the word I kept going back to. It's just a very, like, soulful, inviting record. And uh, I think it's a great triumph, and you don't hear the challenges and the obstacles you guys faced. You hear victory. So, man, I think it's a brilliant, gorgeous record, and I'm really Thanks. glad we got to catch up. Nick and Maseo from the Omize. Uh Where can people find it? It's on Apple Music, Spotify, all those?
1: Yeah. Yep. On all digital platforms, we have vinyl, and yeah. we will be getting it available through Vinyl Me, please. It's going to be released through them as well as in person in Chicago. Holler at us. We'll deliver one to you.
0: Yeah, That's awesome. Um, I'm glad we got to catch up. I'm glad it's, it's been a number of years. And thank you guys for taking time for the podcast again and for doing it in the beginning as well, man. I always oh, appreciate yeah. when people are here. Thank you. Awesome, yeah. guys. Um, can't wait to hear what's next. People should go listen to tomorrow from the OMIS. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, Dynasty Descend.